Brothers and sisters, good morning. It is the church's prerogative, first and foremost, to stand as a witness to the love of God so that when a person forgets how or, for whatever reason, refuses to hope, someone can remind them of their place in the Father's heart. It is the church's prerogative, secondly, to teach and to preach the truth, even when the truth is hard and you don't like it because maybe it makes you feel bad. This is our prerogative because every person needs to know there's another way to live. They can be unstuck from their bonds, and it is the truth that will set them free. Finally, it is the church's prerogative to invite each soul home. Brothers and sisters, each Christian enjoys a role of stewardship. We heard about the steward in the gospel today, the steward who squandered his master's property. Talking with Father DiCarlo last night, he pointed out to me that that word, uh, squandered, is actually exactly the same as what the prodigal son did one week ago in our gospel story. He went and squandered his life in dissipation. The steward squanders what's given to him. We, as stewards, have the opportunity to squander. For better or for worse, we are entrusted with property and with gifts and with lives that we must foster and oversee until our master returns. There are a whole lot of dishonest stewards in the world, a whole lot of stewards who are in need of the mercy of the master. I should know because I'm one of them. And so are you. So are you. All of us are in need of the mercy of the master. So up front and without any hesitation, if you find yourself a dishonest steward, Hey, you, it's okay. Confess that sin, that thing you thought that you'd never do, because that's something that other people do, but not you. Put down that burden. Yes, that night from so long ago happened, but it doesn't have to define you. Come humbly home and anticipate the Father's embrace. Reach out about that annulment. It'll be work, but not work that you have to do alone. Hey, catch up on those sacraments. Get that marriage blessed. Get that child baptized. Come and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of confirmation. Or, if you're not Catholic, consider joining RCIA. RCIA stands for the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. It began last week here in Muncie over at St. Agnes Hall right behind us on Wednesday. And it'll last all the way until the Easter Vigil. Each week we'll take up the church's prerogatives that I spoke about just a moment ago. We'll remind you of the love of God. We'll teach and we'll preach the truth. And we'll invite you to come home. We'll play all the greatest hits, those Catholic oddities like the saints and Mary, scripture and morality. We'll cover hot-button issues, 
and foundational issues. We'll answer questions that linger in your heart. In the spring, we'll pray through the rites by the laying on of hands and the anointing of oil. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and cast out the spirit of the evil one and so prepare the way for the prodigal's return. Finally, we'll prepare you for baptism, Holy Eucharist, and confirmation, after which you'll find yourself standing squarely inside the front door of the Father's house. So to all you non-Catholics out there who come to an 8 a.m. Mass on a Sunday here at St. Lawrence, to all of you who are considering the question, do I belong here? Is this my place? Consider this your answer. Yep, you sure do. Come and talk to me, shoot me an email. My email's on the front cover of every bulletin in this city, and I want to hear from you to accompany you and help you out. To those of you who might be thinking, well, there can't be that many non-Catholics who are here at Mass, Catholic Mass, can there? There are. There are. I know you and I see you. Folks who were with us this past week at RCIA and folks who I don't know yet. Do you know I preached almost this exact same homily at St. Francis last weekend, similar one at St. Mary's the weekend before. And as I was at St. Francis last weekend, I had a, a father and a son who were sitting there who hadn't been to Mass in decades. And they came for the first time and said, it's like you're talking right to us. I had a college student who came and said, Father, I'm actually a Pentecostal. I had just decided this week to start trying out different denominations. Do you preach about becoming Catholic every week? And I said, no, just once a year. <laughs> there were others. There are lots. And so it's worth remembering that there are people who are searching. Now, there's one more thing to say. Catholics. A moment ago, I acknowledged that we're all in need of mercy. All of us, in some sense or another, dishonest stewards in danger of squandering what's given to us by our Master. And I told you also about the Church's prerogatives that you will receive. Prerogatives to remember the love of the Father, the truth of the Church safeguarded, and the invitation to come back. But now, for the early morning M. Night Shyamalan-style twist, you are the ones in need of mercy. But you've also been the church the whole time. If you have been initiated into the body of Christ through baptism, then you are the church. And that means her prerogatives are your prerogatives. Her prerogatives are your prerogatives. It is for you to stand as a witness to the love of the Father for someone who really needs to know it. To encourage and remind people that they belong. It is for you to not only know the truth, to seek to be formed by it, but to teach it and to preach it. That doesn't mean you have to find a pulpit somewhere or start a podcast. But it does mean you've got to be ready to teach that perennial truth 
that the church is safeguarded through all the ages by your word and by your deed. And you, church, must keep the light on here and invite each soul back to the Master's care. If this place has meant anything to you over the years, if you've drank from the church's wells, whether through the community that you found, the sacraments you've received, maybe through a, a study that really meant something to you, or you witnessed just a profound amount of charity, powerful charity here in this place, then invite someone else in. If you haven't, if this place doesn't mean anything to you, then don't, I guess. <laughs> but don't let yourselves off the hook from fear or from laziness. Be bold, be active, and make the invitation. We have received Protestant ministers into the Catholic Church here in Muncie since I've been here. We've received old and we've received young. We've received whole families and we've received those with no one else. This is a question for you. Who in your life might you invite? Because I can't invite them. You got to do it. Who might be able to come home? Maybe someone in your family that stayed away from the church for far too long. My own mother was not Catholic as I was growing up, but she came to Mass with us every Sunday for 27 years before she finally decided to enter into the church, to join that communion line and become a part of this faith community. Don't wait 27 years. Don't do it. Maybe it's not a family member. Maybe it's a friend, someone that you've always had good, deep conversations with after work, late at night. Maybe someone unexpected. Like I mentioned earlier, don't presume that you know what's going on in the hearts of people and whether they feel they belong or not. To tell you a true story, I had a, a wedding. We'll make it anonymous to keep all the parties safe. Uh, I had a wedding in a city sometime in my priesthood that was not here. I went to a different city to do this wedding outside the diocese. And uh, have you ever been to a Catholic wedding before? Have you been to a Catholic one? Okay, good. Some people are nodding vehement. Good. You know that when you go to a Catholic wedding, a lot of times the congregation there can be kind of a mixed bag because not all your friends are Catholic friends, right? Sometimes you have people who are there who are happy to support you, but maybe not so happy that they're inside a Catholic church. Uh, and as I was at the back doors of the church greeting people as they came in, hey, how's it going? Welcome. Glad to, ha glad to see you. Welcome. Thanks for being here with us today. You can tell who's excited and who's not. And I remember that I saw young, one young woman. Uh, she had a haircut kind of like mine, piercings, tattoos all up her arm. And uh, she, I didn't remember her because of her appearance. I remembered her because of the way that she looked at me. And the way she looked at me told me that she was not happy to see me. Now, I don't know if it was because she was angry or if she was afraid or if she was hurt, or maybe she just had a frustrating conversation with someone on her way to church. I didn't live her life. I don't know. But I made a mental note of her because I have this impulse uh, inside of me. I have an extroverted, oriented impulse to want to be able to 
enter into someone's experience to help them, to say the thing that makes it better. Maybe you have that. Maybe you have the introvert version where you just want to sit with someone, hear them out, let them know it's okay. One way or another, I had this impulse, so I made a note about her. But it wasn't the time. That was a day for the bride and the groom, and I didn't want to get in her way. So it wasn't until after the wedding, after the reception, said the blessing over the meal, ate my dinner, said hi to all the family, was walking back to my car, and I had to walk through the city under this overpass at night. And who should cross my path but this same young woman? And when she looked at me, she had that same look of consternation in her face. And I thought, this is my moment. So I smiled at her. And I said, hey, have a good night. And she looked down immediately and said, thank you. And I walked about 10 more paces. And then I heard behind me, hey, priest. And I turned around. And there she was looking at me. And she started talking a million miles a minute. She said, I'm really sorry. I didn't know what to call you. I didn't mean to offend you. but..." And I said, it's okay. <laughs> hey, priest works fine. Father works fine, too. And we sat and talked under that overpass for about 10 or 15 minutes. And if I could sum up the whole conversation for you in her words, she said, Father, how do I believe? Because I really want to. And I just don't know how. I want to believe that my life has meaning, that there's some purpose to everything that I'm experiencing. But right now I'm stuck. And I'll tell you what I told her. What I told her was, do not settle. Refuse to settle. You got a desire in your heart. You want to know how to believe. You want to know the truth. You want to feel satisfied. Good. Want it. Want it a lot. Want it so much that it hurts. And don't settle for imitation. Don't settle for second best. Because you were made for God. And like St. Augustine tells us, our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. These are the two options. Either a heart is resting with God, or it's not resting. And this is something you can know about every person you encounter. Don't presume. Don't assume. You know their lives, but know that they're seeking. They're searching. Regardless of how they look or how they look at you, they were made for God. And know that about yourself as well. You were made for a deep and intimate relationship, one that promises purpose. And as you talk to people, if either you or they settle for something else, something other, <laughs> well then please know that you're settling. And you're better than that. You belong. So remind yourself, I'm reminding you now. And you go out and you tell someone else. And when they're ready to hear it, let them know that the church will be here to remind them of the love of the Father, to proclaim the truth that, uncomfortable as it may be, promises freedom. 
and to welcome them home into the house of the Father. This church is the good that you have been appointed steward of, so do not squander it. Amen.